This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Fear no one. That's what Jesus says to his disciples as he sends them out on their mission. Fear no one. Fear nothing. In John's Gospel, we hear that perfect love casts out all fear. What are you afraid of? What do you have to lose? Does it terrify you to think you might lose your wealth? You might lose your home? Your social status? Does it terrify you to think that you might lose your friends, the affection of others, your health, your power, and your influence? What if someone told you you're going to lose your reputation and your good name? Would that terrify you? What if you heard from your doctor this week that you have six months to live? You're going to lose your life. Would that terrify you? Jesus says, fear no one. Fear nothing. You know, it's a commonplace of political theory that if you want to control somebody, you want to manipulate someone under you or around you, the key is learning their fears. Once you know what frightens somebody, then you can threaten them with the loss of it. Maybe there's someone around you who doesn't really care that much about money. They're not materialistic. But boy, they are very interested in their good name, their reputation. You want to control them? Threaten them with the loss of that. Or maybe someone isn't that concerned with money, but they're very interested in status, titles, power. Threaten them with the loss of that and you can manipulate them and control them. You know the cynical adage that every man has his price? Well, it's based on this idea that we've all got something, someone that we're afraid of. Jesus is suggesting that we will not be adequate disciples as long as we are hampered by any such fears. You know, I've spoken to you before about my favorite movie, which is A Man for All Seasons. I've seen it probably 20 times. I first saw it when I was 16, and it just changed my life. And I've watched it pretty much every, at least once a year since then. I show it to my students here at the seminary on a regular basis. One thing I love about Man for All Seasons, of course, it's the story of St. Thomas More and his struggle with Henry VIII back in the 16th century. But one thing I love about it is... It's a story of a man who can't be intimidated. And it threw everybody off. Here was a man who seemed not to have a price. 
The movie opens beautifully. It shows Moore at his stately home in Chelsea on the River Thames. He's there in the midst of a wonderful gathering of witty, intelligent, well-connected friends. There's all kinds of laughter and good cheer in this spacious mansion. He's surrounded by his family. The movie opens showing Thomas More at the height of his powers and moving at the highest levels of the society of his time. In short, here was a man who had a lot to lose. He then gets a summons right in the midst of his party, a summons from Cardinal Wolsey. He was the Lord Chancellor of England, you might say the Prime Minister, the Chief Officer of the King. And Wolsey is calling Moore on the spot to come and see him. So Moore dutifully leaves his gathering and he goes to see Wolsey. Woolsey is played beautifully by Orson Welles, you know, who's kind of a man mountain. And there he is in his full cardinalatial red robes. And he's kind of glowering at Moore as he walks into his office. Now, if you're most people interested in status and position, honor, just that look from your superior would be enough to frighten you into submission. Uh Uh-oh, I'm on the bad side of the one person I want to impress. More to the point, Woolsey is called more in the middle of the night. Undoubtedly, he's used this technique on lots of other people because he has adequately frightened them with it. He looks up at Moore and he says, You opposed me in the council today, Thomas. Moore says, Yes, Your Grace. Woolsey says, Why? Moore says, I thought your grace was wrong. Woolsey's trying to frighten him, showing his displeasure. You didn't go along with me. Now, most people who have a price, most people who are afraid of losing status and position would have been cowed into submission. Moore patiently gives him the honest answer. Well, Woolsey dies, and Moore himself becomes the Lord Chancellor of England. He's reached the very summit and pinnacle of the society of his time. But swirling around him is the great controversy concerning Henry VIII and his divorce. Do you remember Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife, Catherine of Aragon, and marry Anne Boleyn? But the Pope does not give him a dispensation. So Henry threatens to break off from Rome, found his own church, and sanction his divorce and remarriage. Well, with all of this, his Lord Chancellor, Thomas More, is in radical disagreement. And Henry VIII wants to bring him around. And so one fine evening, he calls on him. Now this in itself was a great honor. The king himself coming in person to your home to call on you. Well, the scene from the movie is terrific. Henry VIII is played by Robert Shaw. He's the man who about 10 years later played Captain Quint in the movie Jaws, remember? But in this movie, he's Henry VIII, and he's just stepped out of a Hans Holbein portrait. He has all the Renaissance finery on. And as he turn on the charm, he tells Thomas More that there's no one in his kingdom for whom he has greater respect, no one he would more readily honor than Thomas More. He plays music for him. He honors and flatters Moore's family. He takes him arm in arm on a walk while the others go ahead. 
Undoubtedly, this has worked well in the past. Now imagine the king. In our setting, it would be like the president coming to your home, flattering you, spending time with you, walking arm in arm with you, and asking you for a special favor. How many of us, listen now, who are afraid of losing status, who want power and influence, how many of us would melt under the influence of that sun? Well, Henry brings up his issue with Moore. Do you support me or not? Moore, with regret, but with honesty, tells him, no, I can't support you. At this point, the king bellows. He tried charm. That didn't work. Now he tries threats. At the top of his voice, he bellows at Thomas More. Now imagine you're someone who's afraid, and you have the king himself bellowing at you and threatening you. Almost all of us would cave in under that pressure. More holds fast. As the story progresses, the storm increases, the pressure increases upon More. Finally, he can't tolerate it, and he resigns as Lord Chancellor. He loses his money, his status, his office, the respect of most of his countrymen. At a very low ebb, he's called in by Master Cromwell, one of Henry VIII's henchmen. And Cromwell is trying to frighten him into subservience. And so he threatens, and he threatens, charging him with treason, threatening him with prison. And Moore shouts back at him, terrors for children, Master Secretary, not for me. I'm not someone who can be cowed by your games. Well, Cromwell does have him thrown in prison. He's now stripped not only of his status and office, but now his home, his family, his friends, all of it is taken from him. And in the filth and confinement of a prison cell, he sits. The movie comes to its conclusion with Moore's execution. His society had tried everything in every way to threaten and cow him into submission. And it finally comes to this. He's about to be beheaded. And he says, in a simple speech, I die his majesty's good servant, but God's first. That's the motto, if you will, for the whole play. Listen, Christians, there was someone that Thomas More was afraid of. It wasn't Cromwell. It wasn't Wolsey. It wasn't Henry VIII himself. It wasn't the loss of his property. It was not the loss of his friends. It was not the loss of his home, not the loss of his family. He wasn't afraid, finally, of any of that. And that's why none of these powerful people could finally manipulate him. But he was afraid of something. And that was the loss of friendship with God. Fear no one, Jesus says. Now, why? Because the only one you should fear is God. Listen to this now from Jesus' instruction to his disciples. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one 
who can destroy both body and soul. There it is. Thomas More was a saintly disciple of the Lord because he was not afraid of those who can simply threaten or kill the body. And that means everything. Honor, money, friendship, connection, status. Those who can threaten those things, don't be afraid of them. Because you should be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul. You should fear the Lord, to use good Old Testament language. Can I say it more positively? When we have entered into friendship with God, we have now bound ourselves to the power that makes the whole cosmos, that transcends space and time, that transcends history, the power of being itself, that which is the truth in itself, that which is the good in itself, that which is justice in itself. When we have bound ourselves to that power, then we can look back at any and all of the goods of the world and see them in their proper perspective. None of those should be the center of my life. All of those can be dispensed with. I should not fear anyone who can merely threaten me with the loss of those things. Now, when I've reached that point, I am ready for discipleship. I am ready for mission. Listen to what Jesus says. You must be able to acknowledge me before others. What you have heard in privacy, you must be ready to proclaim from the housetops. Is discipleship a dangerous business? Yes, it always has been, it always will be. Speaking truth to a world that doesn't want to hear it. Those who are capable of it are those who have conquered their fear. Fear no one here below. Fear only God himself. Now you're ready for discipleship. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of the Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360.